Hey you and welcome to the first episode of the Good Man Podcast. Uh, I'm here today with our commentators, our regulars, Huzefa Maimoun, Alicia, myself, Rahul, and one of our commentators, Stefan, is not here, unfortunately. He told us to give some shitty excuse about him being quarantined, but we're not going to do that because that's not true. Um, why are we doing this uh, podcast? It's to just get our experiences and our opinions over certain topics and maybe go into a deep dive about uh, these particular topics. The first of which today will be about COVID restrictions and how our lives have changed changed over the last year. Uh, right before that though, I think it's good if we talked about ourselves a little bit. So, Huzefa, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself so the you know, listening members can know. Hello, I'm Huzefa. Um, I'm from NUS Law and so is everyone here. <laughs> <laughs> I used to live on campus last year, but I'm not going to be living anymore next year onwards. Um, and for interests, I really like sports and I like the outdoors. And I think that's about it. Alright, Alicia. Hi guys, <clears throat> I'm Alicia. Um, I'm also from NUS Law and I live on campus. I live in Cinnamon College in Newtown. Um, I'm really interested in volunteering, work and in journalism and I do fencing on the side as well. As you can tell, she's very well accomplished. Uh, hi guys, I'm Rahul. Like Alicia, I also live on campus at the same college, Cinnamon College. Uh, Interest-wise, I'm just going to state driving, because uh, that really is an interest of mine. Um, as to how this podcast started, I think it, it really came about from a lot of conversations that we had, and the fact that whenever we talked, we just keep on going on and on and on and on, and it used to go up to like two, two and a half hours. And we just kind of thought, wouldn't it be cool if we recorded this and forced people to listen to it, you know? <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about uh, COVID restrictions, but before we get to that... So hi guys, Rahul, what's good, man? Um, I had actually a pretty exciting day yesterday. I, I was telling you earlier that uh, it, it was really rare for me because it was one of those days where I positively felt happy for most of the day, which is exceedingly rare. For me, like usually there's something to irritate me, or usually I'm just indifferent to the day happening, you know. And I think that's because there quite a few moments happened uh, yesterday that kind of triggered happiness within me, and it kept on going on and on. Uh, I was here in school at Bukitima campus for some stuff in the morning, right? So I decided to spend the whole day here just doing like research stuff, and then I was at work in the afternoon here as well on campus. So I was kind of I went for breakfast at like nine o'clock, and then there's, there's this cafe that I was at. Right. And everything was really like tranquil, you know, everyone was just like minding their own business, right? It was kind of like a nice bit of solitude, right? <laughs> Around 10 o'clock, I walked back, right? And I was walking through botanics and uh, botanics is very popular, like in the morning, especially among young families and also like in the evenings as well. And I was walking back and the number of things that I saw, right? That for, for some reason, I don't know why, but Singapore's chicken population has boomed, all right? Because there was so many chickens yesterday at, uh, at Botanic Gardens, and I made so many observations. The first one, the first little thing that just struck me mute, right, was that I saw this young girl, she's around I mean, three or four, and there were a bunch of chicks, like, just going around in a circle around her. You know, like this was some religious burning festival, you know, like, and it was, it was, it was magnificent to just see that, right? And I keep walking on, and at, at the end of the trail going up to BTC, there were these two huge monitor lizards, right? Probably the size of Huzefa, actually. But, okay. <laughs> they were huge, and they were just stock still on the path blocking everyone. 
not giving a damn about all the human beings around, right? And then that's the second thing I saw. All these all these sightings have to do with animals, by the way. And I go back up to campus and I'm in the library, right? And I'm just doing my research and all that, right? And I'm on the second floor of the library and there's a window next to me. And then suddenly around like 12 o'clock, I see like a raccoon get up onto the roof and like look through the window at me. And I look at it and I think, oh my God. Because at that point, I realized I've never seen a raccoon in my life. Like I've never seen it in real life. Right, and I'm just watching it. I'm, I'm texting one of our friends, Isabel, and I and I just take a video of it and I send it to him. Like, this is a raccoon, right? And he's like, Oh yeah, it's a raccoon. And so I put it on my story, and immediately like three people texting me back. It's like, Oh my god, I've never seen a raccoon before, right? And I was like, That's that's amazing. And I thought that can't be that. It can't be that magical, right? Today, so I I, I googled it, and it's not a raccoon because raccoons are native to North America, so they can't be found in Singapore, obviously. But what, what it was called, was a, it's a palm civet or civet, uh, which was just as cool to see, right? Is that the one that poops out coffee? It poops out coffee? Oh my God, Is seriously? It? I do know about that. That's, that's, I, that's I know that's a cat that poops out coffee. That's a cat that poops out coffee. Uh, I don't know if this is a species of cat. It might be closer to mongoose. But if it poops out coffee, that that's fucking amazing. Uh, yeah, and then I went back to... I decided like take a walk again because Botanic Gardens just seemed like a really good place to be at, right? And I went back for a walk. And again, there were all these animals around and I thought it was really cool that I was, I was seeing like the cycle of life just happening. I saw all these hens taking care of their chicks and you know, digging into the ground and like picking out worms. And I, and I realized it was a little bit sad because I realized at that point that I shouldn't be feeling the sense of awe and wonder. This should be an everyday thing. But like our lives are so dominated by very static kind of activities. You know, you're constantly at the laptop doing work, pumping out research or doing assignments, you know, or we're constantly watching videos and that kind of thing. You know, there's not a lot of change that happens. And I was seeing something very, very simple happen in front of me, just a hen feeding a chick. And I thought that's, that's great. And there was like this great analog where I also saw this mom uh, on the grass, like I said, mom a little <laughs> intensely, right? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I saw her on the grass, like on a mat, feeding her child as well, right? Like with a milk bottle, and I thought like that's that's really cool. And also, the last observation I'm gonna make out of this, I feel like I've bored the two of you to death with my amazing day yesterday. But the last observation I'm gonna make is that I think roosters are the absolute paragons of masculinity. Like the number of roosters I saw yesterday surrounded by their hens and chicks feeding their like you know going about herding like the flock and everything right and these roosters would just stand off to the side chest puffed out and just stare off into the distance and i thought there's something so distinctly masculine about that these guys just don't give a shit about anything you know and and somehow they managed to be, they're able to balance that with like looking at every human being around them and just being like don't you dare come on my turf you know and I understood at that point why they're, why they're called cocks. Like, I understood at that point why they're called that. Because that's, that's a supreme level of self-confidence. It's almost verging on toxic max- masculinity at that point, I feel. <laughs> okay, we can cut out the cocks part. <laughs> no, that's, that's great. I, thought, I like that. Yeah, that's, that's good. Like, but on, honestly, out of everything that I saw yesterday, and to be honest, yeah, these things just like make my day. And I think a lot of people do enjoy seeing very simple... Uh, yeah, just simple incidents like that. 
<laughs> that was my day. That was my day yesterday. Very nice. <laughs> I feel like I've, I've thoroughly bored everyone. A lot yeah. of animal <laughs> encounters. <laughs> I know, right? It's, it's, I don't know, it's really uncommon. Yeah, but uh, that's something that's come out of COVID, I feel, for sure. The fact that there seem to be a lot more animals mm-hmm. around. Even like law school had otters last year or something. Right, there, was ot- there were otters here last week. Oh, last week. Yeah, yeah, at, at, at the Botanic Gardens. I think they also came out here for a bit. There are chickens in Newtown. The chickens in Right. <laughs> it's the chickens. The, They're the, the annoying chickens. chickens. Yeah. yeah they, they've, they've really gotten around, you know. <laughs> they, they embark on these huge migrations, you know, from like Brattle to Buena Vista. <laughs> I, I saw like, my favorite thing to do with these kind of animals is just to invent like fantasies and mythologies about them. And I always think these chickens are going on like pilgrimage or something. <laughs> it's probably like a sacred site in Newtown, dude. <laughs> But yeah, I heard it. Like I think last last year, NEA decided not to uh, kill them. <laughs> to kill them? No, <laughs> that that was a very dark turn. But no, no, they decided not to trim a lot of the the wildlife paths uh-huh. and let it like grow out a bit. And so a lot of the paths apparently connected, and that's why a lot of animals have been going around. Nice. Yeah. So that's that's something that's come out of COVID, COVID right? And that's what we're talking about today, right? COVID uh, restrictions. I guess, you know, getting a little bit, before we get a little bit deep in, deeper into that, the most recent incident that's been concerning about that is the whole KTV thing, right? We've got to give a bit of background. Uh, okay, as far as I understand, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but um, there's been a cluster that's been happening at a couple of KTVs around uh, Dobie God. I think it's Park Lane Shopping Mall, I think so, around there, a lot of KTVs around there. Uh, and essentially, there's been a, a cluster there uh, an uh, outbreak that's been transmitted along by the hostesses at mm. the KTVs. Uh, and of course the patrons as well, right? And I think it's hit about 88 cases mm-hmm. uh, as of yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Our oh. highest daily tour oh, in yeah. 10 months. Yeah. Like yeah. What, what do you think about that, Alicia? I think it's so sad because we were reopening up like after a phase two heightened alert and now we're closing back down. Like for Monday, we're back to two people dining. For unvaccinated people, by the way. Yeah. yeah, at some outlets, like the outlet needs to have um, a software to be able to check whether mm. you're vaccinated, so it's not everywhere. Right. So it's still a bit sad, um, but I also think it's, I feel like Singapore is quite um, close-minded and traditional, so the fact that these cases are spreading from the KTV lounges is raising a lot of controversy per se. Well, what do you mean by close-minded and traditional? As in KTV lounges, men that go there and have fun, you know, people don't look at them. <laughs> she can't stop giggling right now. <laughs> people don't look at them and think, oh wow, it's such an upstanding member of society, you know. Right. So close-minded in that sense. And the fact that the cases are spreading from them um, puts even more scrutiny on them. And do the you think that the controversy is uh, it's more to do with the health-related, re- like, because it's at a KTV, then the, the health risk associated with it, or is it more to do with the fact that it's at a KTV and that there's some like moral implication? I think it's more to do yeah. with the fact that a lot of people have been, you know, staying indoors. People coming in right. from overseas have to go through like these sh- super strict, intense quarantines, and then these men, um, to, <laughs> to satisfy their desires, they are um, living life as per usual if that's their usual habit or they're doing things that they enjoy where whereas so many other people 
are not doing other things that they enjoy. So I think that's why people are so upset about it. Are you upset about it? I mean, I'm upset that there are more cases again, but I'm not upset to with the source of the cases. I don't really think too much <laughs> about that. You don't care about it. Well, what do you think, Zafa, about the whole KTV situation? I think it's quite sad, and um, I think they're quite selfish for doing that and like opening up this whole like outbreak of cases. I think it's like um, apart from the whole case thing, if like the cluster happened like through another source, like a preschool or something the mindset that we would have would be quite different. And I think it's just because it's a KTV, they're getting it worse. Why? Yeah, because it's like a morally controversial thing to do, you know. Right. So like a lot of people don't support KTVs um, or like look down on people that use them, even in normal situations. And then the fact that they caused COVID cases to rise just makes it a lot worse. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know what a KTV is, it's like a karaoke box, like that, like an area for karaoke, uh, and its closest analog is like a club, right? Mm. But it's like more sleazy. Slightly, yeah, I, yeah. I've, I've never, I actually didn't know what a KTV, yeah. KTV was properly. Like I've, I've sang karaoke before, but like a community center. No, there's there's like know. family karaoke right places which I've are like. I've gone to KTV. <laughs> like, oh my god! A, a like non-family one. <laughs> Tell us more, please. <laughs> no, like when I was. Um, we'll get more into the COVID stuff soon, but seriously, Alicia, please tell us about no, the time you went to like KTV. Fifteen and sixteen, my friends and I, like every week after school, we would go to KTVs, and honestly, I started standing for karaoke TV as well as KTV, and um, so when all these cases started breaking, outbreaking, I thought, oh, I didn't know karaoke was open again, <laughs> and now I know more. I never knew that they had this. Other side no, but them. there's like different ones. There's like right. the, the 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 like family kind KTVs. Like oh, I don't know if you can, I don't know what KTV like the term means, but there's family karaoke places which are like clean, and then like there's the more like ones which bring in hostesses to dance and stuff. Okay, I never went to one so, of those. So, <laughs> so you might have gone to the family one. Maybe I'm not very really sure. I think a lot of the controversy about it is also how it's been spread. Uh, the reason why uh, I think there's been a high rate of transmission is also by the fact that, you know, given to its <coughs> sleazy nature, what really what actually happens is that they have multiple rooms for karaoke and, and whatnot. And then uh, the, the guys inside that they kind of hire like a hostess for the night or like for a pre-described uh, amount of time, like an hour or two hours. And then the hostesses go inside and they party. There's a lot of kissing, a lot of groping, a lot of sexual activity as well. And then they shift from one room to another, right? So therefore, there's a lot of saliva transmission that goes along, and that's uh, that's why I think there's there's been a high rate of transmission, right? I think a bigger problem is the fact that this started from a Vietnamese who was on a short-term visa, and she stayed longer, and because of that, people are rethinking the whole. Um, advantages we give to short-term pass holders or people with special permissions. Like I think just yesterday they released an article about um, revoking travel privileges to those with boyfriends slash girlfriends in Singapore. And I think that's a sadder take and more serious take on events because um, already last year with the whole migrant worker debacle and things that happened, it showed how segregated Singaporeans were from foreigners. And now with this happening again, you can see the nationalist mindset sort of spreading and blaming the government for not having you know revoked these short-term pass holders before and stuff like that so i think that's the worst thing that's come out of it 
Okay. Do you think that, that sh it should be a policy change or only like individuals should be punished? I definitely don't think it should be a policy change because right. there are so many people who work here in Singapore and help our economy and help their families back home, whatever, and definitely shouldn't punish all of these people just because an individual is responsible. Right. What do you what do you think, Mr. Yeah, I mean it can't be a policy change, right? It's just right. being unfair to everyone. But it's a bit hard to separate those with like good intentions and those with bad intentions. So I don't know how the government's gonna solve that. And like a ban will be a lot easier for them. But I mean that's just a very strict um Well very I strict mean, restriction. Have functionally have what a ban on what? That isn't like a ban on like like foreigners. Isn't like right. in a restricted way, you know. Yeah, but that's that's most likely not going to happen. Yeah, that's most right? likely not going to happen. Singapore's economy is very dependent on on foreign workers being here. Uh, do you think there should be a ban on nightlife kind of things like KTVs? Like KTVs or as clubs, in clubs, you know. Kind of okay, like I mean, it's kind of been the norm for the last what six, you mean, fourteen you, months. Okay, like, do you mean a ban? Forever or banned for like COVID well, period. Be pretty miserable. It was forever. Yeah, it right? can't be forever, right? As yeah. in for COVID right. period. For COVID period. I mean, okay, I don't know how how to separate the KTVs which have like the hostesses and stuff, right. and to separate like the family style ones, right? So it's a bit hard to say. Well, the family style ones aren't they usually like I don't know if this is true, but aren't they usually like community centers? No. No. They're not. They're not? Right. Like they, I I think they can have shops also, right? Like okay. their individual whatever branches and stuff. But if you can't separate them, then yeah, just ban them because like they were responsible for it. You know, I mean that sounds a bit harsh, but that's what I feel. What do you, What do you think about like the the fact that we're going back to more to stricter restrictions? Like it's necessary for sure. Do you think it's necessary? Yeah, for sure, and um. I think it's quite good how I think like a few days ago, Minister Ong Ong Ye Kung or something. Yeah, just just mispronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> he said he said that we're not gonna reverse measures, and then like yesterday they reverse measures. I think it's quite good. Like it's not that he's he's going back on his word, but also shows that he's a bit flexible on this. Okay. Which is quite important. And like if they didn't reverse measures, it would be a bit scary. Uh, but providing the counter to that, right? You say flexible, but I could also say that's disruptive, right? The fact that there's no sense of predictability. Well, right? I mean, like, you really can't predict. Do you think there's a situation, right, where Singapore goes back to zero cases a day? Like, if for a well, sustained I mean, period of time? Of a sustained period. Yeah. Um, I don't think so. Right. Because, like, it's. Especially if we start opening up Singapore more, there's bound to be cases. Right. But it's not about the numbers anymore, is it though? Like they said something about not releasing daily numbers mm -hmm. because now the focus is shifted to the number of vaccinated people. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's important that we establish zero cases a day. That's why like vaccinated people can still dine in in groups of five. So what's the restrictions? Uh, well, why? What are the restrictions based on that? Why, why is there a need for them? Why is there a need for greater or lesser restrictions? What determines whether they're the greater or lesser restrictions? I think there is a need for them now at this particular point in time because okay. not everyone is vaccinated and I think, ma not majority, but quite a significant percent of the population, especially the elderly, might not be vaccinated and those are the people um, who are most vulnerable and still who the government is trying to protect. But as time goes on and the government um, manages to vaccinate more people, then I think um, 
I think it'll be less flexible, as you say, in terms of restrictions. And I don't think they will, you know, dial things back so extremely as they have been doing in the past. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's, I, I don't know, I, I find it odd now, like in the last couple of months, right, that it's often talked about now by our ministers that it's something that we have to live with, uh, not the restrictions, COVID, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and and that's 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 true, right? The fact the vaccine only lasts a year in effectiveness before you have to go ahead and go for a second round or a third round, fourth round until they come up with a longer lasting vaccination for it, because it's a it's an influenza virus, right? Uh, that's therefore it's prone to mutation. Right? If it's but something it's, that you have to live with, right? Then it's it's very difficult to go about, uh, you know, constantly either dialing back or dialing forward restrictions right you can't have it be like two weeks where people die out in eight person groups right and then because there's a sudden a cluster you die you you pull back in the restrictions and now you're back down to dining in two right i think that proves very disruptive towards people's lives and i'm only talking about it in like the psychological and the social implications of it think about it economically right a lot of these and fmb service industries retail industries are a huge part of singapore's economy right and, and that's bound to hurt tremendously the fact that I think the the union for uh, I think there's a nightlife association unions one third of their industry of their of their uh, outlets right and their their franchises their chains have turned towards FMB away from nightlife activity right it, it kind of shows that like just how much pressure that particular industry has been over the last year and that's like that's a microcosm of what's happening in every other industry right I don't think we feel it as much because well, I mean, we're students, but like, um, especially like if your family, their their general occupations have to do with PTEMs, like professional kind of jobs, mm-hmm. right? Then you don't feel it as much because there's the whole working from home dynamic, you know, and and that's proven to be sustainable. But to people who are more in, in more blue collar or more retail kind of jobs, like, it's gonna be very disruptive for them to have the restrictions change, just like that, right? And, and I don't know, I don't know how that. The how that pairs well with the general messaging that this is something that we have to live with, right? It's like what they're doing in the in the UK right now, right? They they're going to open it up no matter what by July nineteenth, I think, or July twenty first, uh, and that's despite the fact that in I think the last two weeks their cases have have gone through the roof like daily, right? Um, I do think what you said, Alicia, is is like perhaps maybe the compromise about that is that the reason why the UK is doing that is because their belief is that they've already had eighty four percent, I think, of adults vaccinated or at least one dose i think maybe 60 over percent double dosed right fully vaccinated and so therefore they're saying that we're going to open it up uh but the hope is that enough people are vaccinated that the cases and the the consequences of opening up aren't so extreme i think in singapore it's what 70 percent yeah and like 43 percent second dose only 43 second dose yeah i think so if i'm not wrong oh okay yeah so i mean like that's why they said they want to hit 50 by National Day, right? Which is August 9th. Right. Yeah. That's like, what, two weeks? Two weeks. It's two weeks. weeks. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but I, I don't know how that goes with the whole... Yeah, this idea of us having to live with it, you know? I think I read somewhere that um they're not going to base it based on cases anymore, but, like, based on ICU, um, like, the number of people who get into ICU. There's only one person now. Yeah, I know, right? but, like, I, okay, they didn't say, like how many like what's the number of limit what's the number that they need to hit but they said they're gonna base it on ICU which is quite good that they're moving away from cases slightly right 
Yeah, because yeah. I think it's a it's a very difficult situation if like you have a cluster and then the automatic response is to close things mm, down. You that's, know, that's true. Because I mean, given how virulent the virus is, and especially the Delta variant, mm -hmm. right, which is even more transmissible, that's I think that's bound to bound to happen, and that's going along with what the our ministers have been telling us about it, this being something that we have to live with, not being something that's going to be eradicated. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, yeah. So that I I didn't know how to feel about the whole. Like I'm not personally affected by the new restrictions coming in because I happen to be vaccinated and a lot of my my family is vaccinated, but a lot of my, a few of my friends aren't actually like they're on their first dose, right? So this could affect them and their families, right? And for us, it's a matter of enjoyment, but I can only imagine people who have like their jobs at risk, you know, from the constant disruption, right? And it's not easy for businesses to support their well their business, right? Mm. During these kind of times, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I just got my second dose on Monday, which means right. that for the whole of next week, plans have changed. Because technically, I'm not fully vaccinated either. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> right. So that was slightly upsetting, but that's like a small thing in the grand scheme of things, I think. As right. you said, is the businesses. Like, I was reading hawkers, hawker centers are the ones which are especially being affected by the whole work from home to people dining in thing because they don't have the technology or the ability to go on you know food delivery platforms and because of that a lot of them are suffering but i mean i don't know what else that they, they can do about this considering yeah. like isn't they have to like it's all a balancing act right because they got to balance health and safety yeah i mean you have to trust the, author the authorities the authorities that they, yeah. they, they've hit that balance and i do yeah. i think they they have it's isn't just, i yeah uh, as, and 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 I mean like I guess you can trust the Singapore government like they m may be a bit more on the cautious side right. but I hope with the data and everything that they have yeah and, and to be fair it's, it's I think people are apt to compare right now because a lot of countries are like opening the, up their economies and opening up their uh, their restrictions right forcibly sometimes as well right so mm -hmm. I think people are, are likely to compare but I don't know we've done a good job so far still. I think it's super cool how the government can like just release an article and be like, you know, restrictions are back, and we're all we all just sit back and we're like, well, okay then, because like in Paris, I think Macron said something about you know unvaccinated people being unable to dine in. Anymore. It's the pass, right? The the health they have like a health passport there now. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah. when he released that, people started rioting and striking. And meanwhile, we're just like, well, that's that. I think that's super cool because it shows the difference in trust, I guess, we have in uh -huh. the government, and also, I guess, the difference in freedom of speech, but, you know, give and take. Yeah, we can't really do much, right? Is it <laughs> what we're going to do? Which is like <laughs> <laughs> you can't do anything about it. That, that, is, that is true, yeah. Uh, what do you, like, take away from, like, in the last year of COVID and all the restrictions? Like, your, your, or any observations about, it can be about yourself, or maybe, like, Singapore in general? Um, the last year of COVID, I mean, I experienced COVID. Besides the chicken boom population, obviously. <laughs> but yes, carry on. <laughs> I experienced COVID um, in both Europe and Singapore. Right. And I think it was really different. Like in Europe, as I said, every time new measures were introduced, people would just, you know, riot, strike, complain. The unions would be up in full force in the government, um, things like that. 
And then I came back to Singapore and things were so strict and regulated. Everybody wore masks without complaining. Right. You know, in Europe, I remember there were so many people, they were mostly old people, honestly, who got into fights with cashiers because right. they refused to wear their masks inside. And so the cashier would like tell them to leave and they would fight for their freedom of, I don't know what, but fight for their freedom. Whereas here, like rarely anybody does that. I mean. And the one time people do that, it goes straight to the papers, like that lady in MBS, right. who got caught without a mask. So I think it's really different. Um, the amount people listen to the authorities here. Also, Singapore is much smaller, so it's much more easy to regulate. Definitely. Yeah. I'll, I'll take it on like good faith that the idea of us, like the fact that we comply with rules easily is a good thing. You know, like I, it's definitely <laughs> been a good thing for COVID, right? Uh, and, and I actually, I, my opinion of Singapore society has improved quite a bit actually in the last year because I think that I think it's a society that's built to survive is one that's willing to accept like restrictions and sacrifice and sacrifice on behalf of the community in times of crisis, right? I I hope I mean the 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 downside of the general uh, the general fact that we comply with a lot of things without complaining as it were mm -hmm. or even if we complain like there's nothing we can do about it right that's, see, that's the thing right is it the fact that you're complying with it willingly or the fact that you you have to comply with it right there's nothing else you can do about it right uh and yeah so that's that's something i'm for now i'm taking it on good faith that it's the it's the former you know the fact that we comply with it because we know that this is like a common struggle right but yeah my, my opinion of singapore has definitely improved in the last in the last year yeah, I think people complain about it. <laughs> just they you know, do, but like, about it to family members. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but they just can't do anything. Okay, like right. if you put anything on like social media, then there are risks of right. like things happening to you. So, so yes, that's why I guess. What, what do you think of like the, the last year? You know, of COVID. Um. Okay. Well, I can't imagine like an alternative because I assume a lot of things would change, either people you meet and everything like that. Right, right, that's right. But um, if a shout out to all the NS guys who had all their travel plans cancelled. Yes, that was quite I, sad. I, I feel your pain. Yeah, <laughs> that was on. quite sad. But I mean, okay, like in hindsight, I guess it wasn't like that bad. Like, I mean, I can say mm -hmm. that in hindsight, right? Mm -hmm. Because nothing bad actually happened to us. Um, but Not I assume, to you, like right. to to <laughs> to me and to like some of the other students out there who don't really have that much at stake. Right. Like the worst thing is that okay, some classes are online and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I think generally it was an okay experience. Yeah, if you can call it an experience. I think in the way that it affected our academics, yeah, right. Mm. It wasn't. It wasn't the end of the world. It wasn't the end yeah. of the world. <laughs> uh, but the the travel thing was quite sucky. But you can't really do anything about that, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the the restrictions were kind of like. Okay, kind of a unique experience actually <laughs> just being like uh, lock, locked up at home right do you, do you think the country could have done better in any way I think the migrant workers boom was really quite bad right you it see, was really and, and, like, and to me it's so interesting right like how we are able to make this division because whenever I, like, I talk to friends about like especially quite a few of my friends have just returned from overseas mm -hmm. right so they like they like to compare and very natural to compare like mm -hmm. their, the government's efforts over there versus Singapore government's efforts over here and they, they like to make this kind of distinction right it's as if everything's been good <laughs> except the migrant thing except. and then they, you kind of like contain and lock that away you know and everything else becomes good yeah and but that was a 
huge screw up. Like the, the thing is that it wasn't something that is not preventable. Like they could have seen it coming. Right. Like based on the living conditions and everything. Right. And like it's just quite sad how they didn't manage to stop it. And I'm pretty sure some of them are still suffering mm-hmm. from like everything that happened back then. Like, I mean it's okay for us to be locked down at home. Because I think most people have a generally decent amount of space, but like migrant workers have it a lot worse. I, I was I was more worried about actually what like the subtle implications of that whole um, mini crisis were actually because I mean obviously it was a disaster in terms of health and security right and, and a lot's been said about that but I find it kind of worrying about how how easy it was for like citizens like myself right mm-hmm. or any of my friends to just kind of like contain and forget about it you know it's the whole like out of sight out of mind thing mm-hmm. you know you don't see a lot of migrant workers around except you know when they're working right don't really see that the dorms are like strategically put out of your sight you know and 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 that makes it very easy to just like uh forget about them right and that's as as this as what last year proved it's quite dangerous to do that when what's happening out of your sight is a, a lot of suffering right? to be cooped up in very cramped conditions like that and then have a very virulent virus going around right yeah so that's that's something that, that did actually kind of like worry me a little bit you know because before then we hadn't had like a a crisis per se that really brought out migrant workers suffering it's something mm-hmm. that we all kind of knew about but again because it's out of sight you don't really it's not an active kind of thing on your mind you know mm-hmm. uh, what, what do you think Alicia? Wait, fun fact, you know if you google worst minister in Singapore oh, Josephine, Josephine Teo comes up is it because she said she did, she, no one demanded an apology or something like that I'm not sure why, but her name. I mean, the better out. question there is, why are you googling worse no. minister? No, see, you see, everything is seditious right <laughs> now. <laughs> Just going straight to jail. It's a it's an interesting Google search right there, Alicia. <laughs> okay, no, um, but yeah, I agree with what you said about the out of sight, out of mind thing, and I think, um, I think when they were reporting the cases, they always separated it, you know, two in the community. Mm. Sixty right. from him, right, workers, right. and I think that was a really bad way to do things. I guess they did it to you know minimize panic among the community, but at the same time there was that really clear divide, which was really sad. Mm. And also, I think the whole migrant worker debacle affected how the rest of the world saw us because for the longest time we were you know the best country in dealing with COVID. Um, we have managed to contain it so well following rules stuff like that and then all of a sudden overnight we had like so many cases and then the news sort of turned against us and the um, headlines I remember it started becoming where did Singapore go wrong <laughs> how did Singapore fail and it was so interesting to see that from like a sort of international perspective because all of my friends also started asking me like oh my god what's going on back home how's everything there and yeah I think global perspective really kind of shifted on us for a little bit yeah yeah, that was my. Those were like my my main takeaways for like as, in terms of social observation regarding COVID. Like, I'm glad that, uh, Singapore's community is ready to sacrifice, but I'm just uh, I'm a little bit concerned about the I the, where the limits of what the term community mm-hmm. means. You know, right? Are there any like long lasting effects from that? I mean, I know there's a lot of like from getting COVID. No, no, no. <laughs> isn't like from the migrant worker thing? Isn't I know like a lot of people post on Instagram and stuff like that. But are there any? real changes made after the whole thing if you're talking about very generally the most you're going to get is like awareness right, right. and that awareness is going to fade off like yeah. the, the moment this like 
we get to a, a more kind of normal situation, mm-hmm. right? It kind of already has faded off. It right? has. <laughs> Which is quite sad. Right. That's, that's not to do with the cri- uh, COVID per se, but it's just generally how our society's been built, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, long, long-term-wise, well, I don't know, what, what do you think there are long-term changes? Yeah, changes. Even um, in just people's perspectives? I mean, obviously, I haven't seen any long-term changes, any actions, but... I know law school had, like, a pro bono opportunity for foreign workers, right? Yeah, they did. And I think, like, there are more initiatives stepping up, but I I mean, I think it's too soon to tell whether there'll be any long-term changes. Mm. I mean, people are going to remember this for sure, but for how long, that's a different thing. Yeah. That's true. Do you have any like I don't know personal takeaways from last year in COVID? From last year in COVID, I think we're just generally lucky. About yourself? Oh, you about know, myself, yeah, yeah. like <laughs> me. Because <laughs> I mean, we've spoken a little bit about right. like, the social implications right, right. and um, what we think. Right. Hmm. Okay, I I realized that Singapore is quite a small place, so so that's why I kind of thought about moving overseas some point in the future and I think like COVID accelerated that thinking process because okay. after being stuck here for like two years I guess and like I think I've gone quite a lot of places in Singapore already mm. it's it's starting to feel quite cramped so personally I think that my whole thought about migration or like moving overseas or whatever has been accelerated quite a bit okay that's that's pretty cool because I no, I had the same thought but a different conclusion. Oh, seriously? Actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I definitely get the fact that, you know, I think the, the fact that, you know, you're kind of like locked up and all that mm-hmm. does make you aware of how small the city is. Right? Even after uh, the circuit breaker ended and right, we started going out more and all that. Uh, but it's actually it's actually increased my appreciation for this <laughs> city. Like, I'm not, not going to say country, but just the city itself a lot more. And I think there's something are really 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 nice about being very familiar with like a, an, an area you know like I've gotten so uh, familiar and, and discover a lot of new places within Singapore right and, and I, I find that really cool I, I think I, and it's, it's a small it's a small kind of pleasure like yesterday uh, myself and two other uh, friends we decided to like, go on Sunday to have a drink and none of us, like none of us searched for a place to go, right? We all just like threw out places that we could go, right? Cause, and that's that, the kind of familiarity that you have, right? And the fact that I can drive now without Google Maps, mm. kind of like, you know, that there's something enjoyable about knowing a, a particular place uh, on the back of your hand. Um, this is really cool uh, poet, his name's uh, Charles Bukowski. I was a German-American poet, and right? what he used to write about was he used to write about LA, right? Mm-hmm. He wrote like hundreds of poems, right? And it'll all be be about LA, and not even just about this the entire city, but like the particular street that he lived in. And the reason why he and he, he used to get asked like, why don't you travel around? Why don't you go out there, right? And and because you are an excellent poet, and you're able to turn what you see in life into art on paper, right? Why don't you do that elsewhere? And he and his reply was always that, why would I know that when I know every single thing to know about this place? I walk into a bar and I know everyone there, right? I mean, he said it a lot ruder than I'm saying it right now, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, and, and that's, 
Uh, and I think having just a little bit of that, that kind of feeling, that kind of understanding about not just the place, but the people that you're around was something, was a really cool personal development for me out of COVID, right? And something which I didn't expect because I also used to have that thing mm. that, you know, I would like to move out of here because I've stayed in 45 kilometers worth of land, like in, I think it's 750 square km, like for 20 years of my life, you know? Uh, you know, and whenever I have gone overseas to like Bali or when I was younger to like the US and all that, it was, it was really exciting, right? Mm. To be out of Singapore, but I very ironically being cooped up in Singapore increased my appreciation for it. Uh, what, do, what do you think, Alicia? Like, any personal takeaways? Take from COVID? Yeah. Um, honestly, I'm glad for all the family time I got. Because, like, um, true. Um, in Brussels, my dad started working from home. Right. Um, I stayed home from school. My sisters were home from school. And we just got to hang out a lot, which I thought was really great. Um, yeah, but then I came back in September when I think Singapore was already opening and then up. And you discovered a new family. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, yeah, carry, carry on, carry on. Um, so I, like, I wasn't in Singapore when you guys were going through Circuit Breaker or, you know, anything. So I feel like I missed the bulk of how you guys dealt with COVID. Um, and then over here, honestly, like, it's so easy to say things like, oh, you know, it's sad that we didn't have an in-real-life orientation and mm -hmm. stuff like that because of COVID. And, like, genuinely, I am a little bit sad about that. But at the same time, like, I, like, we wouldn't, like, we might not really know each other mm -hmm. if not for COVID because there would not have been zoning. So mm -hmm. we would not have been, you know, um, two floors away, something like that. So it's, like, that's give and take, honestly. And there are really good things, I feel, that came out of it personally. Yeah, I feel a lot of pe people learn the lesson that I think most guys do in NS, which is like, you know, learning to make the best out of a bad situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is, which is good. I think that, that can only be good for character development. <laughs> Just in general, right? It's a really good life lesson to know, you know. <laughs> any, any other you know, personal self-realizations? Right, not many self-realizations, honestly. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. Um, but yeah, I think it was really interesting for me because when I left Singapore, like, as in, um, not when I left, but okay, yeah, when I left Singapore, um, it was obviously a very different Singapore from the one I moved back to. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, everybody was super scared of each other and wearing masks and like keeping some distance on the MRT. <laughs> oh my god, honestly, I have not bumped into a single person on the MRT, like physically. Because, like, people keep space now, <laughs> which is you, so you nice. You used to do that? <laughs> like, a lot of just purposely <laughs> bump. Yeah, just bump. <laughs> Wait, not me bump, but, like, people, like, you know, peak hour and stuff, and they're so hot and sweaty, and then they get on the train, and then they stand against you. Now that, that sounds very personal, by the way. Wait, now that hasn't happened, I just realized, which is so great. I love that. But, yeah, okay, that's that's amazing. That's true. Uh, Matthews aren't really crowded anymore yeah, now that I think about it actually right. yeah. literally not people traveling around less I guess yeah I do get the family time thing though yeah I, I think I mean this is fortunate fortunate for people who have uh, healthy family situations and it's worse off right the other end of the pendulum is those with uh, unhealthy family situations but uh yeah my family is forced to like stay together <laughs> you know right and it's and it's a little bit it was a little bit odd at first because that actually didn't happen a lot right my because of the differing ages right my brother was at university my sister was at university so at, at any one point in time in like the last six to seven years one of the kids was away mm -hmm. you know generally just away right 
uh, my grandfather would be around, uh, would, would go to my uncle's places a lot more than what he did. So like during COVID, and not just Circuit Breaker, but in like the entire last year, yeah, we've all been staying together. And I get the impression of uh, you from Alicia that your family is very like, uh, very intimate, you know, like very like, you know, very lovey-dovey, you know, you're constantly like, showering each other with love. And that's just not how my family is, you know, like my, my family is quite like uncomfortable with showing very naked emotion like that. They're not, they're very, my mom is the only one who, right, who like, you know, actively hugs her kids and all that. I, I, I never have that. Right, but a really cool thing that's developed my family is like humor is our way of showing uh, our love. So we're just putting down each other all the time, you know. Yeah, it's it's actually three weeks ago, right? One of my really good friends, uh, he's like he's like family to me, right? And so like you know, I was talking about him with my mom, right? <laughs> my mom just outright told me that, oh yeah, he is a lot smarter than you, <laughs> you know, like just outright like that, you know, and. When someone tells you that you expect them to be like, oh no, I was just joking, or, like, or, or like, if it's your mom, you're like, oh, I'm so sorry, Mona, I didn't mean it like that, right? Nope, didn't walk back on that at all. You know, just, just went all with it. And I'm actually, I'm really happy that's the family dynamic that's, that's taken place. <laughs> How about you, Zephyr? How's okay, I think my family is like in between. Zephyr has a parrot named Abu, yours. by the way. The parrot's really annoying because <laughs> he just keeps squeaking all day. Okay. I want a cat instead, but that's another discussion. Yes, I don't know. I think my family's always been like together because me and my siblings we have like roughly similar ages. Wait, your sisters are um fourteen and twelve. Wait, no, sixteen and fourteen. <laughs> what was that? that was an embarrassing slip <laughs> up right there. But do you think it's like the closest out of like both of your right? Is the fact that your siblings are relatively close in age that kind of like makes like your connection with them more? you know, free and open and intimate. I feel intimate is the wrong word here, <laughs> yeah. right? But like, I'm struggling to think of another, like, more appropriate word than that. Like, as in, okay, I don't know if we can say we're close, but we're okay with each other. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, like, my sister's closer to my brother because they're, like, younger. Right. And I'm, like, older. But I think we're all just okay with each other. And we've already spent, like, all the time just living in the same home together. So I think like COVID didn't make that big of a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was okay. It was nice. So guys, how do you think our life is gonna our lives are gonna change in the next year with like COVID still being part of the norm? Mm-hmm. Uzafa, what do you think? I think it's quite hard to say generally, like, because it's just gonna open up. But like, um, Maybe for limits of people gathering, I predict that. You'll put a hard number down. I won't put a hard number down. I'll do it. Okay, so by, by, New Year's next year. Okay. There won't be any limit on gatherings. No, I guess mm. eight. I guess. You eight. guys eight. Yeah. I I th- I I say there's no limit on gatherings. Do you gatherings. think it'll be, they'll they'll put it at eight at New Year's or it'll be just they'll put eight earlier but it'll just be they'll just sustain that rule up until New Year's. No, I think it'll be around New Year's time. They won't want to do anything right when the holidays are starting. So up until New Year's, it'll be 5%? Correct, I think so. Okay. And I think 8 is only for vaccinated. Okay. I think it'll be 8 for vaccinated in September. Okay. Yes. and then Why, like, why September? Because <laughs> August is too soon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yes, by September. And, um, yeah. and I assume by December, because... All those who have to get vaccinated will be vaccinated. 
I mean, if you okay, so there's two different metrics already, right? We're, we're talking about uh, group sizes, mm-hmm. and I'll talk about vaccination rates. Yeah, no, because it's kind of linked. Because by December, if you're not vaccinated, it means you don't want the vaccine. It's not that you can't have it. Okay. Right? And so that's why, at least for vaccinated people, they're not going to put a limit on the number of gatherings anymore. Do you think that people should be compelled in, in a way to uh, get vaccines? No, that's against your freedom. So right. they, they really can't compel you to do it. They can the, just there, are, there are ways of like soft compulsion. Yeah, right? yeah, like yeah. I mean, France has that whole uh, health passport thing. Yeah, I mean, Singapore also has that, like, doesn't it? With like the five people, if you're vaccinated, dining They, they just started doing that, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, that's all right because I mean, like, it's safer. Like it's it's a fact that it's safer to open up if you're vaccinated. Yeah, but where do you, where do you put the the line at? What what is something that you can bar people who are not vaccinated from doing, and something that you can't do that for? Um, I mean, you can't. You can only do it for like leisure stuff, I guess. But that's very right. hard to define, isn't it? Okay. Like, as in, you can do it for dining in. You couldn't bar someone from going to school. Right? Yeah, you can't. You can't do that for not being vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't bar someone from going to work either. You shouldn't be able to do that. Alright, so it's only for leisure activities. Yes. Do you think it's something that should be government mandated or like uh, individual companies uh, set up their own policy? Um, what do you mean? Uh, that means it's not, it's not a legal rule, but it's more that it's company policy that you have to be vaccinated to turn up to work. And if you're not vaccinated, you're, you're liable to termination or to punishment or... Why not? Well, I mean, it's. I don't think it should be a legal rule because that's just blanketing everything. Right. It can be something like staggered. So, like, maybe like the government says that you can go to work if you're not vaccinated, but you can't take part in any of like the parties at work, for example. <laughs> and then, like, the. Com- yeah, something like that. Because so, the government regulates parties. That no, as in, work, like, right? like <laughs> the, the government says that, you know, like, how. um. If I'm not wrong, some of the some of the guidelines say that um, you can't have um, like um, events which have food at workplaces anymore, mm. right? Yeah. So like, if the office chooses to have those kind of events, then unvaccinated people cannot attend. That's the government rule, but it's up to the office to decide whether unvaccinated people can come to work or not in the first place. I don't think the government okay. can make any such rules because some people, like for health reasons, cannot get a vaccine. Right. Oh, right. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So I don't think there will ever be any blanket rules. I think like what they're doing now with, you know, five people, if you're vaccinated, I think that's a good soft way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when it comes to work, any part of work or school, um, I don't think there's anything they can say about that. But the measure that was just that was just passed that is a form of soft compulsion. It is a rule. The five people one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's good. But, um. But to your point about some people who can't get the vaccine, right? Yeah. That they still. They still can't eat in groups of five. Right. They can't. But that's different from not being able to take part in a work party. If you know what I mean. So it's the same line between leisure and. Yeah, it's a very thin line, mm-hmm. right. but the line is still there, and the government is now on the right side of the line. Mm-hmm. I would say. And by, you know, saying, oh, you know, these people can't go to work parties, can't do this, that's crossing the line. Because, you know, work parties, there aren't always for fun. That's where people network and talk to their superiors and stuff like that. Right, right. Whereas now, it's, like, strictly leisure, so it's it's still that's okay. True. Do you think that there, are, that there are segments of the populace here in Singapore who don't want to get vaccinated? I think it's it's very much in the news 
how it is in other countries, right? Particularly the U.S. But do you think that's uh, that there is a similar parallel here in Singapore? I'm sure, especially um, among the elderly population, I think those would be the most unwilling to get vaccinated. I think like every single like. Does that strike you as odd? Because it does. It strikes me as odd because you know I think elderly people are most in contact with uh, healthcare treatments, including vaccines, right? It doesn't really strike me as odd though. I would think um, if you're 80 years old, you've lived your life a certain way. Right. Suddenly there's this whole new COVID thing. It's going to take you by shock. And then suddenly the government is telling you, you know, there's vaccines. But at the same time, there are also so many news reports about, you know, all sorts of things, how bad, how um, dangerous the vaccine could be, you know, data tracking through the vaccine, stuff like that. I would be very scared as an old person. I would feel more... Is that is that a problem that's inherent towards elderly folk or is it more a problem to do with like the media and the fact that we oh, get Oh, it's definitely news. a media problem. But I feel like as an elderly person, let's say you don't really go out much, right? But you do um, go to the doctor a lot more than a young person does. That's true, but um, I mean socialize. You don't really socialize much. Mm-hmm. You mostly just stay at home, do the occasional grocery run, if you really do. Um, you would feel very comforted just because you say oh I don't really interact with anyone what's the point of getting this vaccine that could potentially um, be dangerous to me whereas if I'm just at home not seeing anyone there's no way I'm gonna get this COVID thing but old people do like to go out do they? yeah I'm speaking from experience because my grandfather stays with me but uh, yeah no the reason why it does strike me as odd right is because uh, elderly folk are, are generally the most health conscious Right, I think it's the it's the fact that well, you know, I mean, you're, you're in the most vulnerable state of your life, accepting childhood, right? So, um, the fact that a vaccine is offered to you, right, which has been proven to work, right, and the side effects of which are uh, generally normal to any vaccine, exceedingly rare. There are cases of uh, extreme side effects that do occur, like blood clots, uh, but. That shouldn't be. That shouldn't present a convincing argument to you for uh, why you shouldn't take the vaccine, particularly when you be when it's heavily in your interest for life to return to normal, right? So you can go about doing your normal things, right? And old people do have a routine, right? It's what you said. You live your life a particular way for a very long time, right? That routine though is being disrupted by COVID, right? You couldn't walk down like to the, your favorite hawker center, sit down with like six of your friends, and have. I was gonna say have a beer, but I'm not sure how many old people have a beer in the morning. But <laughs> you, you get the idea, right? I I I do think that part of the reluctance is to do with the fact that the vaccine's been developed within a year. So there's this, I guess, in terms of perception, there's this element of distrust about it. You know, the fact that it's been rapidly developed. But again, I don't think that's a convincing argument either, because there's a reason why it was developed really fast. It's because this is a very virulent virus, right? And so. It has to be developed fast. It has to be effective, mm-hmm. right? So, I mean, to be fair, statistics are not convincing arguments. Like they never are, right? As compared to uh, more argumentative pieces, right? That you commonly find in newspapers or online outlets. Well, I think part of the problem isn't just to do the vaccine. It's also how old people might not be that scared of COVID. Because, like, in the sense that, okay, like, there are, like, two schools of thought, right? So the first one is that they believe COVID isn't very dangerous, right? So that's, like, the first part. And the second part is that they believe that even if COVID is dangerous, even if it kills them, they're okay because they're already, like, 
they've already reached a certain age where they're like, you know, I'd rather live my life normally for a shorter period of time than like go through all of these restrictions and vaccines and everything and then just stretch it forward. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. The second school of thought. I'm not sure if I can understand it. I, yeah, it's very hard for me to understand second school of Yeah, school we of can't thought. because we're young. So like, right, don't so I don't know if that whole self-preservation gene or like urge is as strong as it mm-hmm. is in relatively older people. I do know I keep telling my grandfather you should dive in two years. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, maybe it's not as strong as, as in people who've lived for a considerable mm-hmm. period of time. But okay, fair enough. I, I, I do get those schools of thought. Coming back to the hard predictions, I do think that there will be no. It's, I hate being an optimist on, on these kinds of things because it's just. It can flame you if you get it wrong after. It's not even just about the flame, it's just like the sheer letdown of it, you know. <laughs> I remember when this thing first came out, like the Wuhan cases. Mm-hmm. I was like, for two solid months, I was telling the buddy that I was supposed to go on a travel plan with, like, don't worry, dude. It's just going to stay within Wuhan. It's just going to stay within China. It's not going to be a global pandemic. Then we make plans for like Europe 2021. Right, right. Um, okay, in terms of hard predictions, I would say I'll, 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 I'm going to be a little bit of an optimist. I would say that there won't be group restrictions come New Year. Right. Yeah. So we can have our New Year's party. <laughs> yes, we could. I do think that we'll stay with five person though up until maybe late October. I don't think it'll be as early as September. Interesting. You know, erring on the side. I think they'll keep that at that limit until the vaccination rates climb up mm-hmm. until like, like 85 and 90 percent of the population has been. But what if it just starts stagnating? The, the cases. Like as the vaccine, the vaccinations. Uh, like a, what do you call this curve? That's a problem that's happening in the in the US right now, right? The, they've they've the the problem they're running to is that. The, all the people who want to be vaccinated have been vaccinated. Now mm-hmm. it's the people who don't want to be vaccinated. Yeah. Right? Um, which is why I asked about the whole, if, there, if there's a similar parallel here in Singapore. Div- you see, that, this is where the difference between government systems comes into play, right? You know, in Singapore, it's that, that whole thing where you don't really have a choice but to comply, you know, right? They can't, no one can compel you to take the vaccine, right? Like, like what you said earlier, that's about your bodily autonomy. But they can sure as hell make your life difficult enough without taking it, you know. And that's right. something that I I think particularly, well, actually not particularly Singapore, but I think particularly a lot of countries, a lot of governments, and a lot of societies are willing to accept that kind of measure, you know. That yeah, that they'll make your life difficult enough that you will feel that you have to take the vaccine to go mm-hmm. back to any sort of sense of normalcy. But yeah. but why should the government be able to force you to do that? As in like. <coughs> Like, can't they just adopt the the thought that, okay, if you're not vaccinated, it's your choice, and we're going to open the, up... Because the implications, uh, sorry, not the implications, the consequences are not isolated to you, right? All right, okay, So true. that they can... Right, let's, let's play this in the most dispassionate, cynical sense, right? Mm-hmm. Putting it outside whatever personal conviction that you have, I can deem, right, if I was a person in authority, I could deem you as being a national security risk. The fact that you're unwilling to... Uh, take part in this vaccination program, right? Which incentive after incentive has already been given for you mm-hmm. to do so. Right? And by doing so, you make yourself vulnerable to uh, a disease that has consequences that go beyond you, right? Right. Right. And, and, and having the vaccine does reduce your transmissibility, okay. right? So 
the most ideal scenario in your in your world would be there's the majority of the population is vaccinated and then the, the, there's the small minority which is unvaccinated and the diseases gets passed around within the, right, the right, community. That's right. That's not a calculation that the government can, any government can make even particularly with COVID because the vaccines only last, effectiveness lasts a year, mm -hmm. right? And they allow the, vac uh, the virus to carry on within the unvaccinated communities. There's a very uh, high chance that the virus will mutate, which is exactly what's been happening. Right. And mm -hmm. then you have to deal with new variants, right? And eventually, we've been lucky to it that the Delta variant, the vaccines that are available right now are still effective against the de Delta variant. That might, might not be true for the newest variant, right? right. So that's, that's why, like, let's putting it, putting it in a very dispassionate sense, that's, that's a, a persuasive argument for why governments, will, they can't force you, but again, they can compel you by making your life hard enough that you want to take it. That right. you have to unless you're like a diehard, you know, principled stand <laughs> kind of person, right? Yeah, or you can just do the North Korea route and just shoot everyone <laughs> who has it, right? <laughs> Wait, do they? I, I, yeah, the, I think there was a news report about that they did shoot some guy who had the vaccine. I'm uh, sorry, who had the the virus? Okay, yeah. which is. Wait, so what should the government do then if the numbers start stagnating? I'm not a government advisor. Okay, fine. <laughs> don't answer the question. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to answer that. What should the, what if the vaccination rate like tapers off? Yeah, if it tapers off and like, and I mean like you're stuck between opening it up because like um, no one else is getting vaccinated so it doesn't make sense to prolong it um, until vaccination numbers hit a certain number. But then also you're stuck with unvaccinated people who are like a threat. I think we'll continue the soft compulsion ways. Because that allows them to open up to the majority of the population and then hopefully forces those who are not vaccinated to realize that they should get. So like for weddings and stuff like that, they'll say, oh, maybe only vaccinated guests can come. And then, you know, for your friends or family, you would get the vaccine, mm -hmm. stuff like that. That's fair. I, the, the, whole, the whole game is to find the, the line between individual right and national security, right? Mm -hmm. It's just that... And, and that, that line is played in every country across the world, right? It's just that line is put differently, right? And in countries like the US, the line can be far closer to individual, right? Than national security, right? Or maybe national security isn't right, but in Singapore, yeah, I think the line's far closer to the idea of the general welfare of the public, you know, and that whatever your individual principle might be does not matter as much if by your actions other people are getting hurt, you know? But I think as a society, we're more okay with that than like the US. Like, I have not met a single Singaporean who's like, oh, I'm not going to take the vaccine. Everybody I know here um, is taking it or has booked their flights yeah. to take it. Whereas overseas, I know my friends, I mean, not my friends, but I know my friends know people who are against the vaccine. Mm -hmm. So I think we're okay with where the line is for now in terms of this. I, I hope that's an active part of our mindset, that like that's an active choice that's being made by people that they're willing to sacrifice <laughs> for the greater community. Because it's very easy to slam other countries, especially when it comes to matter like matters like these, where it seems patently unreasonable for people not who don't want to get vaccinated. But there'll be there are other contexts and other situations where you hope people stand up for their individual rights and principles as much as these people do for whatever misguided belief they have about the vaccine, you know. And I hope Singaporeans are like that because we do accept a lot of things face value. Right. Mm -hmm. There's that whole thing about uh, contact tracing and how the data being stored, being gathered via trace together is being used. Yeah. And there was a debacle about it in Parliament, like I think early this year, 
about what what how they're using it to track people, right? And that just kind of went away. Yeah. That was a that was a huge privacy violation, <laughs> by the way. But we all just kind of like, yeah, all right, you know. As long as it doesn't affect my bottom line, I'm yeah. okay with it. You know. Maybe it's a mixture of like um, not caring enough because you can't really do anything, and also because. Right. Like, yeah. It's probably that. Like, you know? isn't that you really can't do anything, even if you make noise? Yeah. That's that. Were, were you? Did you have any qualms about like the measures that were being used? You mean the the whole trace together thing? Yeah. Isn't personally, I I mean I can't really care if they track my privacy. They're not gonna see anything interesting. <laughs> so like, <laughs> so I don't really care. I mean like, obviously in like a principled sort of way, it's a bad thing and everything. But like doesn't really affect me personally. So I really don't care. See, but even even in that, right, I'm not sure if like the level of trust in government is, is like in the, I wouldn't say government, but in the authority is there. Because it's like, people will tell you that the data gets wiped after like 20 days. Right? Let's say they tell you that, right? Uh-huh. But then you're, you're kind of thinking in the back of your mind, are you really sure that's what happens? No, you know, it never gets right? wiped. <laughs> tell me like you would be surprised if the government you know, just just store the data infinitely. I I wouldn't be. Yeah, you wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. Right. I I'm I'm pretty sure. I I would hope in other countries people would be surprised. You know, they'd be shocked. I mean, you're supposed to be surprised. You're supposed to. If you're not, because there's something wrong with you. Right. Right. (laughs) That's that's a general apathy kind of thing. You know. I know. What do what do you think, Alicia? Um, I think there are pros and cons to everything. So, I mean, yeah, we're supposed to be surprised, but at the same time, we all, like, religiously flash our thing every time we enter mm-hmm. somewhere, because right. otherwise we can't. And if we, you know, fight against it and say, oh my god, my data, um, we are the only one who suffers, because I don't think a lot of people would fight that fight with you, and you're going to become, like, the MBS woman and get your face in the papers, and people right. are going to say, what a crazy bat. Why don't you just flash the thing and live your life normally? Mm. Um, but because you all flash that, you know, there's a reason why our COVID numbers have been, for the most part, maintained. Right. And um, overseas, yeah, they prioritize individual rights, data protection, and that's why they are so passionate about fighting for things like LGBTQ plus rights and... Um, the environment and why they have protests. I remember when I was in high school, every Thursday, nobody would go to school because every Thursday, um, there would be environment protests and every student would go to that. And there was nothing the school could do about it because Mm -hmm. they had organized this internally. So, but if you do that in Singapore, um, I'm pretty sure the school will do something (laughs) about that. Um, so it's really different. Protests would even get off. Yeah, Yeah, so we win some, we lose some. And... Um, unfortunately, it's it's really sad that we lose in terms of, you know, rights protection. We are not as passionate about saving the environment as a lot of my friends overseas are. Um, but then when it comes to stuff like COVID, I guess we could say we win. So it's really a give and take. And it's very, very hard to draw the line so perfectly straight mm-hmm. that you balance, you know, individual rights versus social welfare in such a great balance that you win everything. I don't think that's possible. But I think the younger generation is sort of improving. Like with I don't know, is it is improving the right word? Because it's more about like you know your f- the fact that we live in a very westernized culture. That it. that's the reason why that we adopt causes in a sense. But it's good that we do though. Do so you think so? I would say it's improving in the sense that we're getting more aware about it, 
and we're looking at what other countries do and you know changing how we act because of that and I think it's changing for the better in terms of you know um, stuff like what I just mentioned. Any closing thoughts, Huzafa, on COVID in general? On or COVID in general. Yeah. COVID has been a sucky time for everyone around the world. <laughs> but no, we're obliged to say that. <laughs> yes, but we've had it better than I think most other people. Or, I mean, I guess better is like quite subjective. It I is. Think it's, it's very personal. It is, right. Yeah. So I think I've had it better than mm. other people. I don't know about y'all, but yes, I hope it's ending soon. And that's what we said last year, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we're back to five people. Yeah, oh my god. Um, Alicia, any, any closing thoughts on what we've talked about today? I think we talked about a lot of good stuff today. And I hope whoever's listening thinks so too. <laughs> if I you, kind of meant a If you've made it this far, like. right? <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, and also if you've made it this far, thank you for listening to the Good Man Podcast. Any any closing thoughts on COVID? on COVID in general? Yeah, what your experience? Um, I think things are looking up since vaccinations and stuff like that. So hopefully they continue looking up. Yeah, I I was I was just gonna say it can only get better from here, right? Oh, but that's just not true. It's lying. The the prevailing lesson I've learned ever since Anis is that it can only get worse. But <laughs> um, I I do think I do really appreciate the general idea of you know, making the best out of a bad situation. And definitely a crisis like COVID has taught me personally to perhaps look at the good things that do happen. Uh, it's been a, I think objectively speak, as objective as one can give an opinion on this, it has been a terrible past year and a half. <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's an arguing about that, but that doesn't mean that there, aren't, there haven't been good things that have come out of it. So if there's nothing else, I guess, that, that wraps up what we have to talk about today, uh, what we wanted to talk about today. And thanks for contributing, Alicia. Thanks for contributing, Josefa. I'm not going to thank myself. That's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> Next week onwards, we'll have Stefan to join us uh, and give his own two cents about whatever we're talking about. And to anyone who's listening, thank you for listening to the Good Man Podcast uh, this far. And... As a final word, do do keep safe when you when you're out there. Do be responsible. Uh, I mean, we've just been talking a lot about COVID, so do do be responsible in the places that you go to. Try not to go to KTVs. <laughs> that's, that's probably gonna land you in a lot of trouble. It's areas of high transmissibility. Okay, the particular KTVs we're talking about. I'm not sure about the family KTVs, yeah. but uh, yeah, and do stay safe. Uh, and I know we've talked a lot about vaccination and and not being vaccinated but I'm just going to say that you should get vaccinated and it's very easy right now to do so so yeah you'll get it done and if there's nothing else we'll catch you guys next week alright see y'all